a community-based solution to the problem of petty crime. There is a need for policing. We all agree the need is real. There is also a growing demand for real solutions to low-level crime that do not cost half the gross national product. We want effective policing that reduces crime while lowering the cost of justice. We do not want to be over-policed or overcharged for policing. Over-policed is when the cost and inconvenience of policing exceeds the cost and inconvenience of the criminals brought to justice. To be over-policed or poorly policed is not just stressful, it costs lives and resources. But do you believe lowering the incidence of crime while lowering the costs of enforcement is a reasonable and achievable goal? The single proviso is that a reform must not dilute enforcement when it comes to serious crime. It is permissible to look at all options for reducing costs of enforcement, so long as violent crime does not go up as a consequence and public safety not compromised to lower enforcement costs. Reformers must be realistic. There is a cost of justice. Crime is a cost, but so is policing. If perfect policing comes at an infinite cost, the absence of policing has the same price. The objective is to reduce the cost of policing without increasing the cost of crime. Our objective here is to reduce the cost of justice. A solution is a program that reduces crime at less cost than by using conventional methods of policing. The day of throwing money at a problem is past. It is too easy and fun to spend money. It is not justice when the victim must pay more and more to get justice while rates of crime increase. To be absolutely clear and transparent, citizen courts reduce the cost of justice. Reducing the cost of justice means crime is reduced as the cost of enforcement is lowered. It is important to make what is meant by lowering the cost of justice, because to just squeeze more enforcement from the same level of spending can compromise safety. Citizen courts reduces the cost of policing, maintains police budgets and produces higher levels of safety. The primary reason why we have opted for constant budgets is that by focusing on reducing the cost of justice while maintaining enforcement levels, allows us to track and measure progress better. It also allows for more resources to be focused on reducing violent crime. The safety, convenience, or personal needs of the criminal are not factors that will consider during the development of the Citizen Courts program. Our concern here is reducing the cost of justice. Reducing crime is not the same as reducing the cost of justice. We can reduce crime by making draconian laws. Such laws will not produce justice and will not likely reduce the cost of justice. It is a lower cost of justice that the Citizen Courts program is designed to provide. Citizen Courts reduces the cost of justice without increasing public inconvenience and without lowering security. Reduction in the rates of crime will occur if we increase the level of justice. If the costs of justice increases, we are not improving the level of justice. Justice ought to be free for the victims of injustice otherwise they are victimized twice over. 
It is important to remember that it is not just the immediate victim that deserves justice. The secondary victims are the victim's friends and family. However, at the tertiary level of justice, we find the people who must pay to see justice done. The people who pay to have justice done and who work to ensure justice is done have a right to see the cost of justice come down. The first fact that needs to be appreciated is that the police exist to police. Policing is an activity directed against criminals. Criminals are people who break laws. Policing is the activity of bringing to justice those who break laws. In the first instance, we have to permit the police to do their job. But we need to be aware that two types of crime exist. There are overt crimes and covert crimes. There are two types of justice. Each type of justice is able to deal with only one of the two classes of crime. Overt crimes imply force or the threat of force. These are in-your-face crimes. Overt or violent crime will not be discussed here. Conventional methods of justice are set up to deal with this type of crime. We do not have the means of reducing costs of policing overt criminal activity directly. This discussion assumes overt criminal activity will be dealt with using conventional forms of policing. Covert crimes are less serious than overt criminal acts. A few of the covert misdemeanors are considered victimless. The crucial feature of a covert criminal act is that it does not involve a coercive element. Covert criminal acts are not violent nor directed against people. Prostitution is considered a covert crime as it is not coercive or violent. Petty criminals break the public trust. Covert crimes have as a component deceit and dishonesty. Victims are scammed out of what belongs to them, often with some degree of complicity. Covert crimes tend to play on people's sympathies, so the criminal targets the most compassionate to scam. Covert crimes harm society covertly and often indirectly. These crimes rarely, if ever, make the front page or the nightly news. They often go unnoticed or unreported, but they lead to bigger things. Covert criminal acts are the criminal's training ground. The petty criminal robs grandma before he robs the corner store. The degree to which they make the victim complicit or an accessory to their victimization varies. The victim might be a mother who pretends to not notice the money missing from her purse or the girlfriend who provides the criminal with an alibi. Purchasers of drugs and prostitution services pay for an hallucination or illusion. The customer often actively seeks out the supplier and is complicit in the sale of the hallucinogen and the illusion. This is also the case when people stream videos or buy beauty products. Where the line is that divides a scam from a marketing message is not clear. Why is prostitution legal in some places and not others? even within the same political jurisdiction. Many scams are only illegal because of the way the justice system views the victim. The objective of a citizen's court is not just to reduce the cost of justice. Its mandate includes the protection of one's community from the insidious destruction wrought by covert criminal activity. 
Citizens' courts are as much about protecting the community from the insidiousness of complicit victims as from the criminal moving to overt criminal activity. The key feature of a covert crime is to rope the victim into the criminal act. Covert criminal acts often require the complicity of the victim, who rarely sees the long-term consequences of what they are getting into. Prostitution, petty theft, disorderly conduct, noise, property disputes and so on fall under the category of covert criminal activity. In our legal systems they are often referred to as misdemeanors. Covert or petty crime rarely poses a physical threat to the victim, but they tend to pose a threat to the orderly functioning of the community and to the moral well-being of victims. A citizen's court can call on able-bodied citizens to act as jurists. Only a minimal amount of training is required. The court's mandate covers all off-market or externalized costs. People who create costs not paid for or who abscond with things not obtained by means of the market are clients of the citizens' court. The jurist merely serves to broker a reconciliation between the creator of the cost and the community as the victim of record. It is a simple fact all accounts in the community must be reconciled. A person who creates a cost without taking steps to liquidate the cost is a criminal and is brought before the jurists to determine a path to reconciliation of accounts. Cost avoidance behavior invariably begins at a young age. Lies are a way to avoid a perceived cost. Cheating and stealing are added to the mix as the child grows older. The child learns to act covertly and lie their way out when caught. A citizen court is convened when accounts are in arrears and no steps are being taken to reconcile them or when costs are being avoided or denied, determining the true source of the loss. Investigations involve looking at the cost and the loss, establishing the value outstanding and the account to which the debit belongs. It is the cost that is investigated to ascertain the appropriate accounting steps to be taken. Bullying, property damage, unruly behavior has costs. An adult who has suffered economic loss caused by the behavior of someone challenges the behavior as a demand for repayment. In the language of justice, the victim challenges the accused to make good the loss that was incurred by the accused's behavior. The claim is always of the form that the accused has created a cost and the cost has not been paid. The claim is filed and the court requests a response. If the account is not reconciled by the due date, the court sends an officer of the court to convene a meeting and hear the accused. This is the first citizens court. If there is no reconciliation of accounts or the behavior persists, other witnesses are called to serve as officers of the court. The witnesses, preferably two or three, approach the accused with the evidence and accusation. The proceedings are recorded and an adjudication made by the officers. This is the second court. If no resolution is forthcoming a third court is convened. In this case the proceedings are more formal. The accused is brought before the full court. 
The full court is the local church but may consist of a quorum of adults who know the accused or slash and the specifics of the accusation. The record of the accused is made public. The citizens' court adjudicates the case. The third court determines the amount of the cost incurred and a payment schedule. Justice consists of reconciling the accounts of the community and its citizens. Losses are made good. Any agency, public body, or individual which has suffered a loss due to the actions of the accused is compensated. The accused is on parole until such time as the accused reconciles his account. If the accused continues to create costs for members, a fourth court is convened to tighten the conditions of his parole. The accused systematically loses his or her freedom as his accounts go in arrears. If incarceration or physical restraints are applied the prisoner is responsible for his or her expenses. Any costs created remain outstanding until paid off by the work of the prisoner. Until such time as the accused makes full restitution, he or she is under some form of observation and restrictive control and work regime.